welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending July 2nd, 2022. This week, we decided to talk about Bob Chappick for another couple of years. I'm Kim Hollis, wishing our own Tim Bridey a happy birthday. Aw, thank you. Best birthday present ever. Yay. Also, speaking of Tim Bridey, writer and gamer, he is now sworn enemies with Nielsen. Worst birthday present ever. <laughs> we'll, we'll just explain when we when we get there. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, published author and media analyst who only has 17 loads of laundry and 118 boxes to unpack before finishing our move. Thanks for all your help, Kim. I'm arching my eyebrow, but you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> How would you say it's gone so far, my love? F, F minus, F minus, minus. <laughs> well, I mean, other than the fact that my brain turned to mush, I, I think it's, we're in a house and now it's all just in the unpacking. So it's all right. Never trust Kim Hollis with the U-Haul, everyone. I want that on the record. <laughs> yeah, you U-Hauls are definitely my kryptonite. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burriel. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Woo! Woo! Did they join the Big Ten? at the rate things are going in the u.s right now i wouldn't be surprised if a number of states were joining canada truth in our deep dive this week bob chapik has survived the naysayers as the disney board of directors renewed the ceo's contract by three years well i guess that's that nothing more to say here (laughs) oh i was kidding go ahead david (laughs) (laughs) this reminds me of how the Mets are still paying for Bobby Bonilla it kind of has that same vibe that same energy to it sorry Tim Uh, (laughs) this was not a three-year contract extension was it Kim because we were just nitpicking this before the podcast started and you had to clarify it to me didn't you yes so really it's three years from July 1st not three years from when his old contract expired. So he previously had through February 28th, 2023. Now he has through July 1st, 2025, which is not a three-year extension. It is two years and four months. And I am saying that because Disney has guaranteed him X amount of money, just like did with one of their presidents who was named Peter Rice. Peter Rice is still with Disney, right? (laughs) Not anymore, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, so when you have these guaranteed contracts all it's guaranteed is the money i do think that bob chapik has survived in the short term i do not think that this was the roaring endorsement that everyone is taking it to be and maybe that's me being cynical but the statement i'm seeing the most in support of bob chapik is he did well during a pandemic so he deserves a shot when the world isn't absolutely insane Well, I'm not convinced the world is getting less insane. So there's that aspect of it. But it just seems to me like this was Disney's board of directors saying, this is our guarantee that Bob Iger is never coming back and we'll figure out everything else later. Do I have that wrong? It sounds right. I do have a couple of notes about the timing. I believe firmly this needed to be announced before the next quarterly earnings report, because it's probably not going to be a good one, especially in light of the fact that Disney didn't get to renew the hot star cricket contract in India. The subscriber numbers for Disney Plus are going to start plummeting without those hot star numbers. And that's going to reflect 
poorly on Bob Chappick and there'd be more rumors about, oh, is he going to get fired? So they just needed to get that out of the way immediately. Hold on. I want to challenge that point just a little bit before we move on. And that's because there is a strange thing when we start talking about APL cricket and when we start talking about Hot Star in India, and that is they do annual contracts there, which means we were two months into a new 12-month contract for many Hot Star subscribers when Disney lost IP. Now, what's happening is a lot of people are asking for refunds, understandably so, but there probably aren't going to be as many cancellations this quarter as there will be in either three or four quarters. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. And so, yeah, I guess there was some time on the clock there, but it was clearly a ticking time bomb. At some point, those subscriber numbers were going to plummet. And the whole time leading up to that point, there would be the continuous continued rumors. I think Chappick would have a lot of trouble continuing to govern if everything everyone was talking about all the time was, oh, he's going to get fired. He's going to lose subscribers. He's going to get fired. This at least eliminates that narrative. The other point I did have about timing was apparently this was announced on the first day of a board of directors retreat in Orlando at Walt Disney World. Again, it looks like the leadership was just trying to get that out of the way so they could get down to business. Let's stop all this nonsense about whether Bob's going to get fired or not so we can do some real business. Now, the fact of the matter is we're nearly a week into the announcement that Bob Chapek's contract has been renewed and we've heard nothing more about what this real business may be. But at least it feels to be the whole time that everyone was just tired of all the rumor mongering and they just wanted to get this out of the way. Bob's going to stick around for a while. Let's renew his contract. Let's give him three years. Three years is plenty of time to really have him get his feet underneath him and make his statement. And if at the end of that, he really hasn't put his own stamp on the Disney brand, then let's reevaluate. Yeah, Chappick did go ahead and make a couple of proclamations recently that indicated the fact that he did have the board's support. The first was there's this pretty infamous by this point move where Disney was asking all of its Imagineers to switch coasts from California to Florida. And that move was supposed to happen by 2023. Disney has since delayed that to 2026, which is when the new building headquarters in Lake Nona is supposed to be finished. But there's no chance it happens now because as everyone and their mother knows at this point, Disney is feuding with Florida's state government. So we'll have to wait and see how that resolves. And along those lines, Universal Studios just successfully lobbied to get something called the Sunshine Corridor for the Brightline High Speed Rail Station. Disney didn't want that at all. So Chappick has just turned around and announced that Disney will not be participating in Brightline. And that is an atom bomb for Central Florida. I mean, that is a worst case scenario thing if Disney holds to that. Brightline has very defiantly said that they will still put a station near Walt Disney World, but they can't do it on Disneyland. Does that actually happen at this point? I don't know. But Chappick has just made two long-term moves, and that would have been impossible if not for this two-year and four-month contract extension that takes them into the summer of 2025. David, I do have a follow-up. There's a narrative that apparently Hollywood is upset that Chappick's contract has been renewed. Can you expand on that? Why is Hollywood upset? Hollywood can't stand Bob Chappick. Hollywood is an industry unto itself where people speak a certain language. And the only language Bob Chappick speaks is dollar signs, period. 
full stop. There is no doubt about it. He is a very transactional person. And if you look at what happened with Scarlett Johansson, that was dollar signs. He wanted something out on Disney Plus because that would make Disney the most money at the time. So he did that. He didn't care if it upset Scarlett Johansson. So Disney eventually had to write her a big check. Similarly, he didn't think Peter Rice was doing what needed to be done to build the television brand. And so he got rid of him. He got rid of someone that Hollywood quite liked. And that has been an ongoing concern that Bob Chappick, unlike Bob Iger, doesn't come from a creative background. Bob Iger used to work for Rune Arledge. I mean, he is someone who is familiar with live television and its challenges, intimately familiar. Chappick is a guy who came up through merchandising. It is not the same thing, and Hollywood cannot stand dealing with people who aren't creatives. And the most powerful person in the industry is whoever leads Disney, and that's a guy who doesn't know anything about how to make a movie or television show. And that's, that's a problem. I mean, that might be a problem for them, but in the end, he's going to be arguably the boss of pretty much every single talent in Hollywood at some point. Disney makes what, 50, 60% of all the movies at the box office right now, and almost everything that's watched on streaming, they will work for Bob Chappick. They could grumble about it. Sure, maybe he doesn't necessarily know how to work with talent. We saw this with the Scarlett Johansson debacle, but he has people that will help him make it work. He'll figure it out and Hollywood is going to have to deal with it. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't have to figure it out. They have to figure out him. He has all the power and leverage here, and that's what they can't stand. Hollywood on its absolute best day is collectively super bitchy on its absolute best day. The backbiting that you're seeing right now is two years of frustration that just got extended by at least two more years. And everyone had hoped maybe, just maybe, somebody who did come from a creative background would replace Chappic very, very soon. And now they've just had that dream squashed. So they're ultra grumpy about it. And it's not going away. And Chappic's not going to change because let's say it like this. Why would he? Disney Plus subscriptions are way up. Disney movies are doing very, very well at the box office, except one we'll discuss, Lightyear. But there's even an explanation for that. Overall, Disney's doing quite well. So Chappic's not the one who has to adapt. All right. Just one more thing, David. There was in The Wrap, the online entertainment news site, The Wrap, there was a bit about some speculation about who might have been lined up to replace Chappie. Can you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) So The Wrap seems to think that there was at least some smoke to the fire of something you'd suggested, Raul. So rather than me answer, why don't you just say what your idea was and the fact that there are people within the industry who actually believe you were onto something? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll say it. The rap said there was even heavy speculation that the board might seek to acquire Candle Media, which was founded by former Disney top executives, Tom Staggs and Kevin Meyer and tap one of them for the job. Now, listen, Hollywood, just because I say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. So please don't use me as a source anymore. And I want to add something to that. Kim, that infamous article I wrote about Bob Chappick's most likely replacements, who are the two people I pegged as most likely other than Peter Rice? Tom Staggs and Kevin Meyer. Yep. Everybody saw this play coming from a distance. And frankly, the shock here is that Disney somehow decided to go a different way with it. And I honestly believe what has saved Bob Chappick 
this is 100% serious, is everybody is expecting financial struggles over the next 12 months. And if we are entering a recession, Disney would rather not make a change now. And then later they can throw Bob Chappick under the bus repeatedly when the new person comes in and immediately does much better. That's my suspicion. I will frame it this way. I feel like Kevin Meyer still feels like he was entitled to be CEO at Disney. And when he didn't get it, his play was to make himself as appealing as possible as an alternative should Chappick fail. I think that's what Candle Media is. David, you have made a very strong point that no, Kevin Meyer is actually better off and is probably going to get a lot richer running Candle Media than he would be as CEO of Disney. But sometimes I'd say prestige Prestige is worth more than truckloads of money. I think Kevin Meyer is going to move ahead with Candle Media as essentially his carrot, and he's going to sit on it for the next two to three years and wait it out and see how Chappick does. And the Disney board is going to keep an eye on him, and they will have Kevin Meyer in their back pocket should Chappick fail. It is entirely possible, but here's what I'm going to say. Abigail Disney, one of the scions of Walt Disney, is about to bring a fight to Bob Chappick about the fact that he's guaranteed to make 30x million a year. Kevin Meyer would look at 30-some million a year as a dramatic pay cut if Candle Media breaks the way everyone expects it to. And I mean a dramatic pay cut. So I just don't see the fit unless Candle Media doesn't turn out to be what we expect it to be. Well, we've got three years for this to play out. In our rapid fire this week, Netflix hasn't bought Roku yet, but all signs point to it happening soon. That's pretty good because then they won't have to update the remotes or anything that they keep saying. (laughs) (laughs) And they might end up getting it for under $23 a share. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Netflix continues to streamline. Staffing cuts have been rather minor, though. After the first 150 layoffs from their marketing department, they've cut another 300 people just last week. But the company's got over 10,000 employees. This is just a drop in a bucket. At a conference last week, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos indicated rather cagely that the streamer was in talks with ad partners, quote unquote. I mean, that's just a coded message for saying they're talking to Roku, right, David? It reminds me of on The Simpsons when Smithers talks about agreeing with Mr. Snrub. You know, they might as well have said Bolu instead of Roku. It's everybody knew what the reference was. And it's because people within Roku are saying, we're hearing that this is going to happen sooner rather than later. And I honestly cannot remember because my world's been crazy for two weeks, whether we discuss this or not, but there is a viable reason why this will get rushed. And it is political advertising revenue, which could be worth eight or $9 billion to streaming services, eight or $9 billion for Netflix. If they can get Roku under their umbrella, and they can administer ads for the fall election campaigns. Yeah, if it doesn't happen soon, it's not likely to happen at all. And right now, Netflix needs to get a fire going underneath their prospective ad platform. The way to make that happen quickly is to simply partner with someone that's already doing it. And right now, again, nothing new here. I've said it before that the best prospective partner and probably the one that's going to be most amenable, this would be a merger, not a takeover. It's Roku. In sports news, the NFL is keeping the streamer 
consumers waiting on the future of Sunday ticket. But while they wait, Disney's putting their money to good use. Formula One has renewed their media rights with Disney's ESPN through 2025. The previous ESPN deal was three years for $15 million, which is good Lord, that's chump change. $5 million a year for the mathematically challenged. This new deal is three years for 75 to $90 million, five times what it was just three years ago. But still, chump change compared to the $3 billion that Disney almost dropped to get streaming rights for cricket in India. This speaks to what I've been saying. Disney, do you want to pay $3 billion for cricket rights or use that money to buy all the other rights in sports? Yeah, and I'll go ahead and throw in the fact that this was actually a really good deal for ESPN. And we know that because ESPN is paying 75 to 90 million. Amazon came in with an offer over 100 million, possibly as much as 120 million. And the only reason that didn't happen is because Formula One liked its existing relationship with ESPN and worried that if it went to Amazon, which isn't known for, you know, Formula One races, they might actually lose some of their burgeoning fan base. So this is a situation where they took less money for more exposure, which says that the Disney's ESPN brand still matters a lot to sports services. And that wasn't the only big news this week involving bidding for sports services licenses, was it, Kim? Yeah, there's an update on Disney's bid for Sunday ticket. Yeah, so apparently it came out this week that we're still in the same holding phase we've been where Amazon, Apple, and Disney have all placed their bids for the former NFL Sunday ticket. DirecTV can no longer afford that now that it's spun off and then no longer makes business sense to own it. So someone is going to get all of the NFL licensing rights and possibly as much as 10% of the NFL's actual digital entity. In other words, it's going to be kind of similar to what happened to BamTech for somebody. And so that is a huge, massive acquisition. And Disney Disney has apparently offered a minimum of $1 billion and more likely $1.5 billion to gain these rights to DirecTV. And if they get that, it would offset pretty much everything they just lost with IPL Cricket, and it would support Raul's uh, idea that they're using their money more effectively by controlling more properties. Will that happen? I don't know, because it sounds like Apple has bid at least $2 billion, which means it's going to be the Formula One discussion all over again. Would you rather have more money or would you rather have more experience? Exposure because everybody knows ESPN and Disney are the absolute best for broadcasting NFL games. Can Apple create something that would be a viable replacement for the next four or five years? I don't know that, but we do have a pretty good idea that Disney believes it's worth at least a billion, probably 1.5 billion to own all of the digital streaming for the NFL. And just as a fan, that is what I want to happen. In, in regards to the three top bidders here, and I do love how CNBC pointed out Disney, Apple, and Amazon have all submitted bids. DirecTV has not. Oh, you don't say. The... <laughs> Of the, of the three potential bidders here, of course, Disney is great because they've got ESPN. It's hand in hand. It makes sense. Apple, I think, has really proven themselves. I was a big naysayer when they got their uh, Major League Baseball contract, but at least, Tim, you'd say Apple's doing a really good job streaming uh, baseball? Uh, it's all right. The commentary's hit or miss, but they are doing some slightly unique 
camera shots and angles and they, they're throwing some some stats on the screen which i think could be improved a bit but yeah it's, it's not it's not a bad watch i think it's ending soon but right now you still don't need to be subscribed to apple tv plus Steve, to even watch the games yeah and i mean that's kind of the point here when we're talking about this conversation from a meta it's a startup so it's going to have pros and cons just like when way back when when fox got the nfl for the first time fox tried some really innovative technical things but they also had just an absolute trash broadcasting team which is why they had to pay all that money for john madden and it was a historically large contract tim i think you'll agree it is beautiful to watch games on apple tv but listening to them with the commentary it's kind of brutal isn't it yeah, it's it's the weak part. There are two different different teams. There's an, an East Coast one, and they and they do a, a West Coast game. I actually I prefer the West Coast crew. The East Coast crew uh, leaves a little something to be be desired. But yeah, it is the weakest part of the the broadcast. But what they're doing is is interesting. Tim, what about the navigation? Just you know, pulling up the app and finding a baseball game is it, is it challenging it in any way? Uh, surprisingly, no, no. When they're when they're live, they're actually front and center. It's a, it basically says click click here. This 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 game's live right now. Uh, click here to, to stream it, and boom, it's up it's up and running. And this is where I think Apple really is has learned, and they're doing it well. And now they've got this Major League Soccer deal coming up, where I guess they're going to have all the MLS games. Apple is committed to doing live sports. Now, when we talk about the third bidder, Amazon, Amazon has streamed football games of the three that we've listed here of course disney has done it through espn in the past but amazon has streamed like thursday night football on amazon prime video and i would argue that anyone who has had to experience that would argue that they don't want to do that anymore please it's a simple matter of the amazon prime interface is a nightmare to navigate to. And then once you're in it, it's it's difficult and challenging to pause, fast forward, rewind, and so forth. Amazon just doesn't really seem to care much about their interface. So this speaks to what David is saying, that you might get less if you go with the Disney bid, but at least you're going with someone that is a known entity, ESPN. Or you might choose someone like Apple, which is really starting to prove themselves as a startup, or you get more money if you go with Amazon, but you end up really kneecapping yourself because you're you're on a platform that no one is comfortable with. Yeah. And I think Tim just accidentally said the most important thing here. And that's, he's talking about, there's only two broadcast teams for baseball. And one of them is substantially better than the other one. That might sound like a small deal until you realize NFL Sunday ticket sometimes broadcasts as much as eight different games simultaneously. You have to come up with eight broadcasting crews to do that. Eight really, really good ones, or you're going to get screamed at throughout the game from people who are going to say, you know, I don't know why you paid all this much money if you can't even call the stupid game right. So you're talking about, you know, just the people who talk, 25 to 30 people you're going to have to hire, plus the technical crew, which is going to be another, you know, 80 to 100 people, all of whom have to be A-plus acquisitions. Disney has the experience to do that. They have done it with ESPN, with Apple and Amazon, you're talking about true startups, and it will be bloody the first couple of years. It really will. We take the Tony Romos for granted until you hear, you know, the Chris Collins worse, and you're like, oh, okay, that's what an amateur sounds like. There is a lot to be said for the quality of the broadcasters. They can, you know, improve or take away from the, from, from the game. There's certain teams like say, uh, this is showing some bias, but the Yankees radio broadcast, absolutely awful. Uh, meanwhile, I am not just a Mets fan, but I also maintain that the Mets TV and radio booths are among the best in the sport. 
support. It does help. It can detract. You know, it is important that they get quality broadcasters. And I think you'll see them hire from, say, Fox or whoever that broadcasts the games each week, whoever ends up with football. But yeah, as David said, if they just throw anyone out there, uh, you're going to hear a lot of complaining about how the quality of the, the broadcasts. ESPN saw the writing on the wall and they took Fox's best team. I mean, among people, you know, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman and, hi- and hired them to to work Monday Night Football starting starting this season because they, they knew once football heads to to a streamer, you know, Amazon or Apple or whoever gets it would snap them up as the primary team. Exactly. Now let's have a quick look at the box office. Tim, how's the July 4th weekend looking? Well, first, we actually should talk about last weekend because you know what happened? Five movies made over $18 million. And I do kind of wish I was saying five movies made over $20 million, but for some weird reason, Lightyear collapsed heavily, 60, down mm. 64% to 18.1 to be fifth. Um, but yeah, five five movies did totally awesome. Um, the sixth movie earned 1.7 million. That was actually Doc, Doctor Strange. So it is still extremely top heavy, but that's um, that's a really good sign for, for theaters. You had Elvis on, on top with 31 million, Top Gun still 29 million. Though hilariously, when the estimates came out before the, the actuals paramount suggested top gun was going to win the weekend by like 200 bucks or something like that which was just the most hysterically petty thing i've seen in box <laughs> office in, in years of course it didn't happen elvis came in you know first 31 million uh you know jurassic world the black phone 23 million wow and then Lightyear in fifth with 18 million so that was a really really amazing weekend there have been a lot of weekends since the start of the pandemic that 18 million would have stood out so yes. the fact that Absolutely. We've reached a point where the top five is ending at 18 million. I mean, we've been saying we might never see that again. So the fact that we're seeing it before July is really encouraging. Tim, do you think this is a fluke thing or do you think that things might be turning around? Yeah. I mean, Top Gun is in, was in its fifth weekend and still still second with 29 million. Heading into this weekend, it's got $538 million. I don't think we any of us saw that coming. So that is the the big thing driving the the success of the box office really in the last month we are getting some some big uh you know heavy hitters soon uh next weekend we'll have you know thor love and thunder this weekend though we have Minions, The Rise of Gru, the long-awaited Minions sequel, tying it into the Despicable Me franchise. This has been in the can for a long time. It was penciled in for this weekend in 2020. That didn't happen. And then they still hedged their bets and and, and had it for July 4th weekend, 2021. And we're like, nah, not yet. But this, this weekend, it, it was go time. Actually, it's probably a better weekend because July 4th happens to be be a Monday. So at least it gets the, the, full, the full weekend rather than having it Cannibalized by the holiday because the holiday on a weekend is is actually bad for box office. Uh, but it had 10.7 million on Thursday. Uh, yeah, this is going to come in with what 100 million. Yeah, this is going to be the anti Lightyear. I just feel that Lightyear never clicked with families, much less with children. Minions is all about appealing to children. I am excited about this movie. <laughs> I think we have we have to see what happens when my ear hits Disney Plus because I do think that mm-hmm. they may have. I think I suggested la- uh, last episode they may have shot themselves in the foot theatrically Pixar movies because it's been two years. All all the other releases have been straight to Disney Plus. Right. So people are just like, yeah, I'll wait. It'll only be a couple months. We'll we'll see it when it's on when it's on Disney. If you compare it to Encanto, it's doing remarkably well. But if you compare it to Minions, I mean, Minions has a chance to be a hundred million three day. 115 to 120 million four day. I'm not saying that's going to happen because we're just going off of very limited data right now. But I mean, it could pretty much torch the entirety of Lightyear. It in could four days. pass Lightyear by the end of the weekend if everything goes right. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part. Wow. Thank you for talking about the box office, Tim. Now, have the Nielsen ratings been updated yet? 
as of a couple hours before we record this, yes, finally. <laughs> However, uh, the someone at Nielsen, or maybe the person who is Nielsen, Mr. Nielsen, decided to take a vacation and not update the ratings on what was ostensibly one of the biggest weeks ever in streaming. Mm-hmm. Good timing, you suck. Yeah. So we, don't, we don't have those numbers. Uh, we will probably never get those numbers, but we do have the, the latest set just, just in time for our recording, thankfully. Didn't really have time to prepare a lot of notes on this, so F it, we'll do it live. Uh, and uh, let, let, let's see what we got because this this is it's we're going to make it as interesting as we can because we, we do have some some surprises and some some mm-hmm. exciting stuff that is not stuff called Stranger Things. Tim, so, does Mr. Gilson need to get a restraining order against you? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't sue me. So we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for May 30th through June 5th, 2022. Uh, this includes uh, Memorial Day. That's when it starts and takes us through sun- Sunday, June 5th. So the top show, obviously, Stranger Things. Now 32 episodes. Uh, this is the first full week of the availability of its fourth season. And you people spent 7.2 billion minutes watching it. <laughs> is that a lot, Tim? That sounds like a lot. That is, yes, that that would be a lot. That would be nearly double the biggest number we'd ever seen mm. since we were we were doing this. Now, here, here's the discussion point. What do we think it did in the three days? Do we think it actually made right? it done more? I feel it could have very well have done. It might have. Because we were seeing it already on the charts with people just rewatching previous episodes. Yeah, pre- that's right. That's, yeah, again, that's not that's not weird. We've seen we've seen that happen with like Ozark. But yeah, that that was the anticipation for this one was literally off the charts. And yeah, ho- holy cow. I, I did not see that coming. I would have gone four maybe you could have twisted my arm and said like maybe we can hit five sure if i if you know if we had some context maybe we got that that weekend number for the the previous week yeah but just wow i just i'm absolutely blown away and actually i'm i now have to revise what's going to happen when because actually the second part of the season hits which actually happens to be today so we have to wait another month for that but we might see that kind of number again especially since one of the episodes is apparently really long like almost movie length mm-hmm. so I, I actually think that also did contribute to this number is these episodes were extremely long they were long for, for a show yeah yes. so but p- people they love this show they were invested in this show they you know listened to that kate bush song over and over again apparently yeah this is this is amazing holy cow i'm surprised they haven't greenlit like spinoffs or anything or like signed the cast to like you know other ex- deals or something i don't I, I don't know how you this is this is wild tim is it fair to say that this is the avengers end game of nelson streaming so far oh uh, yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> that's the best way to describe it relating to box office that that's what that's by far the biggest number we've seen and it's not even just just, just barely bleep, beat it it blew it away it almost doubled it i mean realistically squid game 2 is the only thing we we believe could even approach this right yes and if this had happened before the last quarterly earnings report, nobody would be saying a damn thing about Netflix right now, would they? No, not at all. And, and just imagine, you know, we we know this is just still just a percentage. So imagine like the full numbers. I mean, I know if you look on Netflix society or just, just do do a search, it was, you know, literally it was, this is billions of minutes, but it, it may have translated well to billions of hours watched because this, right. this, this, this Someone show at Netflix was, right now is figuring out whether or not this is an English language film to count it. <laughs> that, that's, that's a fantastic point. In addition, of course, because as we say almost every week, this is just people watching it on TV and Stranger Things yeah. 
obviously skews younger. Imagine all the people watching this on mobile. This isn't Grace and Frankie or even the Lincoln lawyer where most people probably are older and watching it on the t- on their TVs. This is 7.2 billion minutes on televisions. Yes. To not God. counting all the people who watched it on mobile. <laughs> it's just what the heck? Like, and now we're all speechless. Yeah, I have I have no no words for this, and, and I, I'm now I want to see like, okay, what does does it drop off? Does it does it just stay like you know four billion, three billion, and then all of a sudden shoots back up the list when those last a couple episodes uh, hit in a month? I mean, all I keep thinking is, imagine if Exhibitor Relations hadn't actually posted the box office numbers for the opening weekend of Avengers Endgame. Wilson <laughs> just did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, they picked the worst possible time to not update their their site and we all have to suffer for it but yes that's that's essentially what what it is it's like yeah here's here's one of the biggest movies ever we're we're not going to report any box office you guys just you know we'll, we'll see you next week all right, uh, I we're gonna we're already out of things to talk about Stranger Things, and it's probably gonna be here for you know the next several weeks. So I, I guess we can move on. Second is the Lincoln Lawyer, still doing extremely well. Ten episodes, nine hundred sixty-six million minutes. Uh, last time we had ratings, it was the it, it was the top show with a very solid solid number. So this is a certified hit, and now it's finally been there is going to be a second season, correct? So yeah, talk about that soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I see it there. Okay, cool. All right. This was the other thing I was looking forward to. And of course, it would have been here last week as well. But here's Obi-Wan Kenobi from Disney Plus. Three episodes, 958 million minutes. It launched on the 27th, that that Friday of the, the weekend with the first two episodes. And then the third dropped on middle of the week on, on June 1st. So I have to think that the first two episodes were probably cracked a billion, which is pretty rare for a Disney Plus show on this list. I mean, if it weren't for Stranger Things, we would be just boggling over this because this is a staggering performance. And yeah. let me just say, I was dead wrong. I don't care about Star Wars and that always makes it really, really tough for me to do <laughs> these things. But I thought this was like 15 years too late because I saw the uh, what was it called? Revenge of the, of the Jedi which was legitimately the worst film I saw that year out of more than 100. I was just <laughs> sitting there in the movie theater stewing and I'm like, oh, and now the coughing guy's going to do something. And then the coughing guy did something. It was so pandering and pathetic and I hated all the characters and it never once dawned on me that people would be like, boy, I have to see the next chapter of that. But my God, do people ever want that? And apparently I know that even we we read a comic strip called Penny Arcade. We've read it for 20 years and they made a joke about how after a wobbly start, Obi-Wan Kenobi stuck the landing like heroically. So apparently it's only going to pick up from here. Yeah, and we know you have hated Star Wars for for as long as long as as we've known you. But this was the show like this this is the show people want to see. The only other thing, I think we've said this before, the only other thing that would do this kind of numbers that's a Star Wars show would be a show called Luke Skywalker. So <laughs> Uh, this people people wanted this wanted this one. I mean, I think it's down from from what last week because I think the anticipation was huge and it was a holiday weekend. And I think Disney purposely held it on Friday. I wonder if they knew it was going to be the Stranger Things release, and that's why they did that to try to counter program rather than drop it on Wednesdays like they normally do. But I think it's, this may grow over the, the course of, of the month as as it adds episodes. Then we can see it over a billion pretty regularly. Uh, we do have something else. This is actually new. This would not have been on the chart last week. Here is The Boys from Amazon. 19 episodes, 949 million minutes watched. The first three episodes of the third season dropped on June 3rd. So this is just a three-day number. 
Yeah, Amazon doesn't have a lot of these very buzzy shows. If anything was going to chart top five for Amazon, it would be this one. And it'll release episodes weekly from here through the beginning of July. Apparently the final episode premiered today. July 1st. I'd say the like the most comparable to that at Amazon would have been something like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And that was always bottom five. Yeah, it was mid tier. Mid- yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, has, it has its audience and, it, and it's it's well well liked and, and watched. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stuff we've seen before. Here's Ozark still here in fifth, 644 million minutes for 44 episodes. The Wrong Side of the Tracks, 291 million minutes for eight episodes. Grace and Frankie, 271 million minutes, 95 episodes. Eighth, Amazon again with Night Sky, 242 million minutes eight episodes. Uh, Working Moms, 215 million minutes for 70 episodes. And something new in 10th, The Floor is Lava, 214 million minutes. The second episode, second season arrived on June 3rd. Yeah, kind of their wipeout knockoff. Yeah. And I still maintain in season two of Squid Game, actual Floor is Lava. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about movies, uh, because the top movie... Um, I would not have guessed it. I'll say that. Yeah. Not, <laughs> uh, it is Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore, 758 million minutes. That's not the interesting what? part, though. What streaming service is that on? Netflix? Uh, this would be on HBO Max. What? Yes, ladies. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently, Nielsen is now counting HBO Max. So, well, maybe that's why they were gone. They were trying to figure out how to get that. Were, added yeah. in. We'll have some other things to talk about that that come from that service. But that's that's good to see. I, I do wish they had a current active show that would have crashed the originals chart because they they missed it by a couple months because we would have <laughs> we would have seen those great peacemaker numbers. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I know. After Tim's terrible, terrible joke, Euphoria probably would have made the top. Euphoria yeah. would have, Euphoria yeah. would have been there, and maybe it's the way my Twitter feed is curated. But people still can't stop talking about our flag means death. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I that that probably would have made it there too. Um, yeah, but, and you know yeah. that the Game of Thrones prequel will be showing up. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what we're saying, folks, is that in the most unlikely of scenarios, David Zasloff has done something right. HBO Max suddenly appears and they immediately shoot to the top of the charts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty solid number, especially for for me. I mean, we we're kind of not bad. Not, yeah. We're kind of not. We're, yeah, we're kind of numb after the Encanto numbers from the start of the the, the year. But this 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 is very good. Uh, I mean, it, it's okay. We should go ahead and quantify. We actually know because it got posted at the time that when Wonder. Woman 1984 came out, it did over 2 billion minutes. So Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore underachieved in theaters, but you know it had a theatrical run first. So we're kind of past that day and date thing with HBO Max. 758 million minutes is good, but it's definitely not, you know, what some of the ones last year would have done. So they still might have missed an opportunity by not, not listing immediately. Yeah, this is a premiere. It actually arrived on the 30th, so this is the full week. So rather than say a, a three day number like we get from from Netflix when they premiere a, a movie, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll take it because that's that that that's fine. I'm sure it'll fall off from here because it it did essentially bomb in theaters and should hopefully kill this franchise once and for all. Mm-hmm. But we will see. So in second, it's from Netflix. Um, it's a Spider-Man movie, but not the one you're thinking of, because why would that be on Netflix? <laughs> this is The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, the one from 2012. Mm. 
you know, the 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 one with you know Andrew Andrew Garfield as, mm-hmm. as, as Spider Man slash Peter Parker. So this arrived on turns out this this arrived on Netflix on June first. There you go. Where was it before? Again. No idea. I don't understand how these Nobody movies knows. come and go from Netflix. <laughs> Perusing the list of movies that that arrived on on Netflix on on June first, one of them is Titanic, which we've seen on the list before. Which means we know it was on Netflix, and then apparently it disappeared from Netflix, and that has come back. It's a licensing nightmare. These movies, I, I swear. <laughs> this is it's it it's a stab. This thankfully the only. We are uh, like, you know, movie that arrived on Dude 4th on this list, but I'm, I'm sure over the next, maybe next week, we'll, we'll see something else. Maybe we'll see Titanic again. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's, 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 that's why it's here. It's in, it's in second, 478 million minutes, by the way, if I didn't say that. Now, this is what I was waiting for in third, because I think we would have seen it mm-hmm. probably last week, because that's, that's when the, the, the sequel ar- arrived in theaters and, and people watched it. And, and it's credited to both Netflix and Amazon. Top Gun. Yes. The original from 1986, 405 million minutes. Well, of course. How can you watch Top Gun Maverick without knowing what happened in the first, first movie? One. Right. I mean, and the, the the data backs this up because it, it it showed as trending on on streaming services around the time and right after yeah Top Gun Maverick arrived arrived in theaters and got amazing reviews and made five hundred million dollars. So yeah, not not surprised. I think I bet it would have been higher last week if we had those numbers, but we don't. Thanks, Nielsen. Uh, <laughs> but not better. Not better. Uh, but yeah, no, this is cool to say. This is fun. Uh, I like that that this happened, that people went back and, and watched, and watched mm-hmm. the original. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. In Nilsson's defense, they had to put 30 different entries in a database. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> oh, man. We did that for 20 years. Never mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, here's Encanto, still here in fourth from Disney Plus, 362 million minutes. Uh, we do have something new, Interceptor, 322 million minutes from Netflix in fifth place. This is the one I was hoping maybe since we didn't get the charts last week, maybe we wouldn't have to talk about it this week. <laughs> because <laughs> we totally missed the premiere of this one on Netflix. Oh, we- right. That's right. We suck. We missed the We talked. Yeah, that, that's the movie. Talking about. Okay. You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, we, this, this movie, we didn't talk about it. It's going to make the ratings. And I was like, oh, wait, you I know what? Which one. Yeah. I'm going to give us all complete absolution because I have read an interview with the director and it's him saying, I have no idea why this movie is doing well. And that's the director of the <laughs> saying that. <laughs> It's it's not a good movie. I saw the trailer and it's it's cringy. It stars Mrs. Chris Hemsworth, an actress whose name is Elsa Pataki. She is a Spanish actress from Spain. And it's an action movie about a soldier fighting terrorists on a nuclear missile platform out at sea. So it is exactly as you would expect. But yeah, it did bang up numbers at Nielsen and we didn't even mention that it was coming out. <laughs> they didn't advertise it. It wasn't on there. It wasn't on there coming soon. Yeah. So is Mrs. Hemsworth the interceptor or the interceptee? <laughs> uh, I guess at different times both. <laughs> Okay, so in sixth, it's from Hulu. It's called Disappearance at Clifton Hill, 307 million minutes. 
Uh, just cribbing straight from the Wikipedia page, Disappearance at Clifton Hill is a 2019 Canadian thriller film directed by Albert Chin. The film stars Tuppence Middleton, that's not a real name, as Abby, a young woman who returns home to Niagara Falls, Ontario, where she inherits a family-owned motel in the city's Clifton Hill tourist district following her mother's death and becomes obsessed with reconstructing childhood memories of witnessing a kidnapping. Uh, what the heck? Audience yeah. reviews is a 1.9 out of 5. Yes! <laughs> what? Why? What the heck, Hulu? What the heck, people? This it's, is like that one Hulu movie that we didn't understand before. I bet you this was coming up after people finished watching Candy on Hulu. It's like, oh, we recommend you watch this next. That's got to be it. It's got to be. Yeah. So weird. Okay. <laughs> it has that no, 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 no it has no box office. It did not. It did not play in theaters in in, in, in the U.S. It apparently may have in Canada, but yeah, that's, <laughs> oh boy. Okay. That this takes the cake of any, any weird Netflix thing, you know? Okay. Okay. But we have some, some stuff at the end. That's fun. And seventh is still Chippendale rescue Rangers, 231 million minutes. Yay. Yeah. Uh, I hope this leads to a sequel. Yes, absolutely. I will. Uh, I have more to say about this one later. Eighth, Turning Red, 220 million minutes. And ninth from Netflix, RRR, 188 million minutes. This is Rise, Roar, Revolt. Yes. This is what some people have called the best superhero movie of 2022. And as a Indiana Jones aficionado and absolute super fan, I'm ecstatic because one of the villains in this is Allison Duty. And if you have seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that is the woman who romances both Henry Jones and Henry Jones Jr. in the film and has basically not been seen ever since. So this is a very spectacular comeback for her i've seen people mention that this movie is amazing it it made it got some attention earlier in the year when it actually the weekend of march 25th at the box office uh it was third place with 9.5 million because it's an, it's an it's an indian movie by indian. the way if we mm-hmm. yes 91 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes i mean it is a very very good film yeah, it was the, the weekend the, the Lost City opened to, th- to 30 million. This this also opened and came in came in third. That so yeah, that 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 got that raised some eyebrows and it recently arrived on Netflix. And yeah, people probably heard the heard some buzz and 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 checked it out. So yeah, cool. Cool. Let's just say this one makes a lot more sense than Interceptor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and 10th wrapping up movies is senior year, 186 million minutes for the Rebel Wilson comedy quote hit. <laughs> Yeah, it did fine. It was the, the you know had, it had a, okay. yeah it had a good number uh, when it, when it premiered. I still maintain they they are looking for a a big movie they can you know they can franchise. Not that not that this is this is it, but they'll they'll take their hits where they can get them with their original movies. All right, so Anne acquired. It's led by All American. Uh, one point two billion minutes uh, for seventy one episodes. We've we've seen this show before, right? We right have, about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it came out of nowhere, and we were stunned by it when when it showed up too. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is it's what a CW show, right? Yep. It's the same thing as last year. CW airs it, and then Air, okay, the season the season ends. That. It yep. shows up and it shows up on streaming. Okay, all right. It is uh, other than other than that. So it's let's call it eight shows we've seen before. Again, led led, led by All American. Uh, but you know how we mentioned uh, that that HBO Max is now counted. Um, yeah, they have they have two shows on this list, and they happen to be ninth and tenth. Uh, and they are The Big Bang Theory. 279 episodes, 352 million minutes, and Friends, 346 million yeah. minutes for 236 episodes. Kim, I noticed you're giggling at the Big Bang Theory. Why is that? I'm pretty sure it's on the list because of you, me, and my mom who watched all 13 <laughs> seasons recently. <laughs> Can confirm. 
we have it on just as background yeah. television all the time. And and then a couple months ago, I told my mom she was watching it in syndication. And I said, oh, well, it's on all of the seasons are on HBO Max, mom. And then the next time I talked to her, she bought she watched every single episode. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's my mom and me and David. But yeah, no, this is this is fun. I'm I'm wondering what else they have that could make this list. And mm-hmm. again, it's weird that okay, quick, what do you associate Big Bang Theory with? C- that was on CBS, so wouldn't that naturally be on Paramount? No, it's on HBO Mm-mm. Max. Um, Friends was on NBC. Hey, wouldn't that be on Peacock? No, it's on HBO HBO Max. But I, I do think most of these shows are listed, as you said, Kim, because people use it as use them as background noise. Uh, I don't know who is using Criminal Minds as background noise. That's kind of disturbing. <laughs> no. Oh God. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that's got to be why the, why these shows are are, are here. It's just, they're just watching over and over again and just throwing on the background while 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 you do stuff. And, oh, uh, yep. oh, I like this part. You'll watch that scene and then you know you go back to do what what you were doing. Exactly. Um, if we want to be meta here, this is a big deal for HBO Max. There are thirty spots across the charts. It took three of them in its debut week. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the one where they mash them all together and you get the overall top ten, I mean, Fantastic Beasts was sixth. That's that's great. A couple of things. Uh, Tim did point out, of course, Big Bang Theory aired on CBS originally and Friends and uh, aired on NBC originally, but both of them were produced by Warner Brothers. Warner which Brothers. Is, yep, which is now Warner HBO. Brothers Discovery and HBO Max. Max yeah. And yet they're not showing up on the original charts because, as I pointed out, when The Simpsons showed up on this chart once, they call this the acquired chart, but it's not. It's the second run chart. It's yes. Where did it air originally? Okay, it aired somewhere else, but now it's on HBO Max because Warner Brothers produced and thus owns this content, and so it shows up here. Yeah, and it's, and it's not, they're not new episodes either. That's, that's, uh, yes, exactly. Conversely, if you were to find Game of Thrones on this chart ever, original episodes aired on HBO Max, and so arguably those would show up, even like, say, if there was happened to have been a run on Game of Thrones episodes sometime, those would probably show up on the original chart instead of the acquired chart. It, That'll be it, weird. Yeah, it's silly to try to make that distinction. I don't understand why they do, much less why they call them acquired when it's not shows that they acquired. It's it's just silly. But one thing that is tangentially related, uh, as uh, as Tim mentioned, Criminal Minds on this chart again at number four, 321 mind-boggling episodes, 558 million minutes viewed. Criminal Minds is leaving Netflix, or as, as of this point, has left Netflix on June 30th. Episodes of Criminal Minds also air on Paramount Plus because it was produced by CBS and CBS is Paramount Plus. And so those episodes will now appear exclusively on uh, Paramount Plus. Arguably, if Paramount Plus was on this chart, they would be ranking as well, but they're not. Just like Peacock with The Office. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes. At this point, a perennial of this top 10 chart is leaving and we're not going to see Criminal Minds again until Paramount Plus decides to play ball with Nielsen. Mm. Or, or Netflix, <laughs> yes. but that, that, that's, that, that's less likely. I think that we're more likely just to get another streaming service on this chart than they are to give up their content to, to Netflix rather than keep it on their service. I would argue that we're seeing HBO Max on this chart right now because the folks at HBO Max have decided that they're strong enough that they get to chart. It's like Apple decided to play ball with Nielsen because, oh, Ted Lasso's new episodes are here now. So if we, if we make an agreement with Nielsen, our Ted Lasso episodes are going to appear on the charts. And HBO Max said, oh, we've got, right now, we've got fantastic 
Fantastic Beats, The Secret of Dumbledore. And coming up soon, we're going to have a whole bunch of other new hot shows, including, as we mentioned, the Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. And they feel that those shows are going to be strong enough that they're going to chart. It would be embarrassing if they made a deal with Nielsen to have their shows ranked and then none of their shows showed up. I think that they've made that deal now because they feel strongly that their shows are going to rank. Uh, but yeah, I, I will forever be mad that we didn't get the the numbers last week, uh, but we're already out of words to talk about Stranger Things and it's going to be here for for quite some time. So and then now that we have HBO Max in the mix, too, uh, it's it's going to be exciting. And, I, and I'm also looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi over the next couple of weeks. And what else do we have? I think next week we see Hustle and then after that we would get Umbrella Academy. So it's it's about to get wild. All right, thanks, Tim. In our green lights and cancellations this week, The Lincoln Lawyer, as previously mentioned, is a big hit for Netflix, and it's been renewed for a second season. Least surprising news ever. There you go. (laughs) Netflix is also continuing their relationship with Robert Rodriguez as they've partnered with the producer and director to reboot Spy Kids. The new movie will star Gina Rodriguez and Zachary Levy. Are they a little old to be kids? <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it to Zach Levi, though. He knows his wheelhouse and he doesn't stray from it. Yep. Also on Netflix, Cameron Diaz is coming out of retirement to star with Jamie Foxx in the action comedy Back in Action. In other news, Cameron Diaz was retired. That's what I was going to say. I feel like this is one of those things where if somebody has to say, hey, I was retired and now I'm not, nobody was really missing you. She has not worked for a while, actually. Yeah, uh, although I did want to mention we've seen her on some reality shows as a judge or something. She's done uh, RuPaul's Drag Race a few times. So she hasn't acted in a while, but she's she's appeared on television. Yeah. 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 But as far as acting, not since 2014. So it's it has been many years Mm -hmm. over at TNT. Snowpiercer will be ending with season four. This isn't necessarily a surprise. The series had run its course and needed to come to an end. At the same time, Warner Bros. Discovery has made it clear that they intend to pivot TNT and TBS towards sports, and Snowpiercer was airing on TNT. I mean, they could have made it exclusively an HBO Max series, but really, it was the end of the narrative. For those of you wondering where you're supposed to be able to watch Snowpiercer on streaming, it is right now, I believe, only on the TNT app. Right. I agree. It's it's a show that has sort of a, a natural, I would think, ending because of the nature of what's happening. So it, it would make sense that it would end here. And I, honestly, I'm I'm fairly impressed that it got as many seasons as it did. Yeah, I also want to add it has been available on HBO Max. I don't claim to understand how the licensing works, but it comes and goes. At HBO Max, the fourth season of True Detective rounds out its cast as boxer Callie Reese has been added to star opposite Jodie Foster. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that one. And also at HBO Max, The Time Traveler's Wife will not be getting a second season. Unless they go back in time and fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon Freebie has picked up Who's the Boss? It's a sequel with Alyssa Milano and Tony Danza set to return. It's a Sony production, so the broadcast and streaming rights were up for grabs to the highest bidder. Sure. 
Meanwhile, Amazon Studios has secured the rights to the buddy comedy Foreign Relations, directed by Kat Koiro, who recently directed the Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson rom-com Marry Me, and is the executive producer and director of the upcoming She-Hulk Attorney at Law series on Disney+. Foreign Relations will star Nick Jonas and Glenn Powell, hot off his role in Top Gun Maverick. Presumably, this movie will be coming to Amazon Prime Video. Honestly, sounds like a fun kind of buddy comedy. The fact that it's going to Amazon Prime, I think, uh, undermines it. (laughs) Agreed. Discovery Plus has picked up the three-part documentary, Unprecedented, from British filmmaker Alex Holder. This documentary has the honor of having caused the January 6th hearings to be extended as the filmmaker indicates his documentary has previously unseen evidence of the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, and he will be testifying before the committee. It's all hearsay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. As always, we finish up the show with what's been keeping us busy over this past week. And besides finishing up our move, although there's still plenty to unpack, we were able to watch a few things. Only Murders in the Building is back. Woohoo! And we watched those first couple episodes and they were delightful as always. We also have watched the first episode of Iron Chef Quest for an Iron Legend, which was a really great episode, by the way. And finally... Say Anything is still the best movie ever. (laughs) Raul, how about you? I have been making up for lost time by watching a lot of streaming content. I'm just going to touch briefly on a lot of these titles. Stranger Things is fantastic and should be first on everyone's list. I need to watch the last two episodes of this new season. Uh, They just premiered this morning, so I'm going to be watching them as soon as we're done with the podcast. Uh, Shorzy is great and has a lot more heart than I expected, but you're going to have to watch it with subtitles and perhaps a Canadian to English dictionary. Obi-Wan Kenobi is fine so long as as you don't think about it too much. My oldest daughter and I are heavily invested into Star Wars, but each new series on Disney Plus just exposes the flaws in the overall narrative more and more. It gets frustrated sometimes. It's like, how did that happen? That doesn't make sense. It's just don't think about it too much. I did finally get around to watching Girls 5 Ever Season 2. It can sometimes be sad how hard they try. The absurdist alt-reality created by Meredith uh, Scordino can be grating. Uh, and you can see that Renee Elise Goldsberry is just uncomfortable in some of the revealing outfits they have her wear sometimes. But it's worth hearing Sarah Bareilles belting out big pussy energy. And uh, the uh, (laughs) knockdown drag out fist fight with the property brothers in the uh, climactic episode uh, really makes the whole season worthwhile. Those those property brothers don't cross them. No Time to Die has finally made it to streaming about what a year after it came to theaters and I got to see it. It's good. But unfortunately, now I feel like I have to rewatch all the previous Daniel Craig Bond movies just to remember who all these people were. The Stanley Cup finals were good. They'd have been great if my team hadn't 
sucked this season, uh, but really it's all about the cup coming out at the end. It's Stanley's show. I think everybody just waits for that cup to show up and then everybody gets really excited. It's always great to see the Stanley Cup uh, on the ice and to have people hoist it up over their heads. Doesn't matter who it is. The Man from Toronto on Netflix has no right to be as good as it was. This action comedy with uh, Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson isn't going to make any best of lists, but it's really damn entertaining. And finally, I caught season four of Cobra Kai. I pride myself on sticking through series until they end. There's very few shows I've given up on before their finale. I'm going to try to hold out through season five of Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai ends on season five, right guys? Uh, There's really some shows that overstay their welcome and Cobra Kai really needs to come to a conclusion. The big All-Valley Tournament at the end of the season was well done, very well staged. And uh, there's a nice, uh, clever twist afterwards, but really finish it. So I guess Cobra Kai lacks big pussy energy is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) All right, Tim, how about you? I was excited to watch it when I was talking about it with uh, the, uh, on the ratings. I said, I said I had to watch it. And yeah, Chip, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, I enjoyed it way more than I, I, I thought I would. <laughs> it really is. Entertaining. I partly through it. I was like, wait, did, did Lord and Miller make this? Because that now, but they must have gone to, you know, the school of Lord and Miller, the, the writers, because because they did come up with some ideas, helpful ideas. Just the idea that after the opening flashback sequence they're in two different animation styles for the entire remainder of the movie is just a brilliant idea that i don't know how they thought of that is what one is in you know current digital animation and the other one is is still traditionally animated you know ca- uh, cartoon from like say the you know the, the 90s but it's got some just yeah the, the the side gags the the cameos that i don't know how they how they got away with that i mean there's roger roberts in it really, really really quickly there's there's a reference to the cats movie i mean it's <laughs> it's it's impressive it's an impressive way cast you know it's john Mullaney and andy samberg as, as chip and dale but there's you know there's will arnett there's jk simmons seth rogan dennis haysbert has a cameo you'll never see coming it's well worth uh well worth your time to give it a, a watch even if you if you only had like passing knowledge of i mean if you ever watched the, the cartoon you need to see this but you, but you should still check it out anyway it was it was way better than it had any any right to be and i really do hope that they they, they do make a sequel out of it awesome david how about you so honestly Kim and I have only watched Big Bang Theory reruns. As indicated. <laughs> what I'm going to say instead is that right now, if you pull up YouTube, and I don't know how long this will last, but YouTube, HBO Max's channel is currently showing the mm. Harley Quinn pilot. It is doing that in anticipation of the fact that Harley Quinn season three starts at the end of next month, which means you can see that first 20 minutes and decide whether or not the X extreme violence and sex of the show alienates you if it doesn't i 100 percent guarantee you will laugh your way through it especially when you find out what batman does to bats so i am <laughs> highly recommending that you spend 20 minutes on youtube watching the harley quinn pilot and i fully expect you to fall in love with it i readily admit it does have too much violence and the sex gags can be a bit much but uh it's just brilliant television, and if you watch the, the pilot, you will then want to watch the next two seasons, and by the time you get to Wonder Woman's homeland, you will just be head over hills in love with it like we are. We're counting down the days till season three starts. Coming soon. 
Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.